0: Welcome to the Need More Buffs podcast, the unofficial Lightseekers podcast sponsored by DeliveryCrab.com. DeliveryCrab.com, your number one source for Lightseekers cards and three points of healing. Welcome back, Seekers, to episode 54 of Need More Buffs. I'm your host, Matt Sonnenberg. It's 2019, it's January, we're well into tournament season now, and we've got a lot of things going on, but unfortunately, I'm still playing a little bit of catch-up from 2018. So this week, and this is going to be our last episode of me catching up from 2018 before we get to move into our 2019 champions and such, but I have a great interview here with Tetra, You first met him a few episodes ago on episode 50 when he won the New York tournament. But it turns out he was able to win a second tournament in New Jersey back in November. So once again, this episode is a little bit older. It's before we hit the classic format. It's before a couple other erratas happened as well. So bear with me. There's still some good information in here that we talk about. We, we, we also get to talk about some of the upcoming things that, that either have happened now or are going to happen soon uh, regarding uh, rotation and, and that sort of thing that, that you may or may not be interested in hearing about. Once again, just like in the last episode, episode 53, when I was with Vince and we were talking about this stuff, please keep in mind that this was all recorded shortly after PAX Unplugged, and so this was before I had my interview with Carl in episode 52, where he got to explain some more of the things that were happening around the rotation and the core box and that type of thing and so we didn't have all that information back when this was recorded so with that in mind please i hope you enjoy what we're talking about i hope you enjoy hearing from tetra again i'm sure he'll be back more times as as we get through this tournament season and and he may be able to pull out another win we'll see but Tetra, he won the New Jersey Delivery Crab Tournament back in November, so as promised, I'm having him back on the show. The show notes for this episode, including his deck list and such, can all be found at deliverycrab.com slash 054. That's deliverycrab.com slash 054. So with that being said, let's get into the interview and see what Tetra has to share with us today. And today we welcome back to the show Tetra. How are you doing today?
1: Hey, what's up, Matt? I'm doing great.
0: Glad to hear it. So congratulations again. You are officially our first two-time Delivery Crab champion.
1: Uh It is an honor. It is an honor.
0: So we're, we'll just jump into it right away, how you made it this time. Because you didn't play the same deck as you did the first time, which I was very glad to hear when I heard that. Like, Because I wasn't actually at this tournament either. And I'm like... Uh, Please tell me he didn't play the same deck, (laughs) because I—I mean, I want to get you back on the show anytime you win one of our 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 tournaments. I try to get the winner on if they're willing, and so I stuck my word. You won again. We're gonna have you back on the show. Who did you play this time?
1: So I played Reefy Boy last time. It was Sushi Boy. Now it's Reefy Boy. So I'm sticking with my storm. I cannot take any credit for this uh, deck list, honestly. I got it from Cosmo, who is a team member of Heroic Starfish, and he kind of just secretly slid into my DMs because I asked about it, and he hooked it up, said I could play with it, and that was that.
0: Fair enough. We'll start off by saying that th- this deck is just straight up no longer playable, at least not the way it's set up now, because of a few nerfs that happened to a Lone Shark Reefy. But give me, I mean, five minutes or less, I think you can explain what this deck does.
1: Yeah, so this is basically kind of the same as my Sushi Boy list. It's just basically a straight mill deck. It just revolves around that. Reefy used to have an ability where it would reduce every damage that you receive by one if you have no buffs in play. So, yeah, you can guess that I'm not playing any buffs in this deck list. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm always reducing damage by at least one, even though I actually... Do I play any buffs? No, I don't. It's been so long since I uh, actually played this deck, since it sure. did get it rotted. But now Loon Shark Reefy cannot hold any items whatsoever, has zero points of items available to it, and also it only reduces the first damage received. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is the new errata with Reefy. So obviously the decklist doesn't work. This decklist does have five items in it. Um, <laughs> it- <laughs> yeah it's crazy so it's basically like a toolbox um which is cool because i come from a pokemon background and i'm familiar with toolboxes so basically you, you know you sit down at the table you see what you're going up against and you say okay this is the route i need to take and just hope that you get those cards so the five items that i run are crystal core forge wall nitro hammer shade ripper and oh storm shell you can see I'm splashing in a whole bunch of different colors. Crystal core is basically there, you know, to gain access to crystal. Obviously, Lone Shark Reefy is straight storm. So these items give you access to all those different colors as well or orders. Crystal core is just great for, you know, any mill deck. You cannot die, you know, if you have a crystal core attached. Forge wall is great. It's also reducing damage. Same with storm shell, which is a water item card. hmm Which, I mean, you know, I already have access to water, but it's okay because Storm Shell reduces the second damage received by one. So if I have a Forge Wall and a Storm Shell on, any second damage that I'm taking in a turn is being reduced by three, which is just absolutely bonkers.
0: The Forge Wall has to be under 15, correct?
1: Oh, yes, yes, that is correct. So it Um, it
0: doesn't take effect. I mean, I'm assuming you spend most of this game under 15, but
1: uh not necessarily um that's why i said you know it's like a toolbox so you know if i do happen to dip below 15 or i feel like i'm gonna get hit with something big you know i will attach that forge wall but um i mainly attach my items to get the access to the cards that i needed to play um, so I mean I'll just go down the deck list real quick. I had a Crushing Rapids, Flood, Storm Calling, Storm Strike, and Tornado for my combos. Mm-hmm. Obviously it's the same concept of my as my sushi boy deck with the tornado, <laughs> and you kind of just get everything back with storm calling. So, you know, it's really hard for the opponent to mill you out. And then down the list I have three confused shamans, two crazed bombers, one crystal leech, uh, two crystal mazes, one crystal core, one forge wall. One Creeple Jester, two Mario Bards, one Nitro Hammer, one Shade Ripper, two Spirit Gates, which is a Shadow card. That's actually the only Shadow card that I run in here with the Shade Ripper. One Storm Shell. Three Tantosian blacksmiths, obviously, because I need to get those items out as quick as I can. <laughs> five items, on I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, so I got five items, and then I have three other ways to get those items, which is great. Um, three therapeutic eels, three Tyrax fixers, three vitalizing frogs. And then we'll go into the sideboard a little bit later if you want. But yeah, the basic premise of the deck is just to, you know, keep healing and kind of tell your opponent no and slap them on the wrist. You can't do that crystal maze is great you know just for the extra mill you know getting there a little bit quicker this deck does have the same issue as sushi boy where you know you really don't want to go to time especially in this deck because it just takes so long to get the items out that you need you know if you do need that healing or if you do need that buff removal i do have the crazed bombers and the crystal leeches in there as my buff removal no thunder sucks because that is a buff and that was just you know get in the way of me reducing damage, so... Yeah,
0: I mean, mean, but in a deck like this, when you're not running any buffs then, too, like, Craze Bomber, the negative effect that it's supposed to have on you isn't even there.
1: Exactly, so craze bomber is just great like i see why craze bomber is so good like in a deck like zuna because it doesn't run any buffs where it's like okay you know i i can't pass up three buff removal because if i sit down next to a sicario i'm like okay well you know i'm definitely getting my nitro hammer out because i definitely want those craze bombers and you know so yeah that's basically how the deck works uh just mill the opponent out um you can also actually put on a lot of pressure with nitro hammer as an attack ability which is three damage, and then you take one damage, which you really wouldn't take any which is damage.
0: Reduced,
1: yep. Holy exactly. So wow. it's just it's just three damage for one action. So you know I can either go the route of you know just applying pressure if you're not really doing anything with that three damage. It doesn't really sound like a lot, but it definitely adds up.
0: And, well, you know, yeah, I'm, I mean it's, it's a consistent three, and you don't have to spend a card to do to do it.
1: Exactly, I mean, you use and it an also action, helps you're
0: not wasting cards.
1: Exactly. And it also helps in like the mill scenario too because you're oh, yeah, definitely. Using, using any action and then you draw one card or you know heal up or whatever the case may be. But um other than that, you know the deck is pretty plain and simple. Like I said, it has the recursion effect with tornado and storm calling to you know get the action cards you need back um as well as recycling your um combo cards. Mm-hmm therapeutic heals in there obviously for draw power everything else is basically just healing and uh item cards
0: (laughs) yeah yeah i can see that so i mean the the one question i do have is because this is something that we haven't really seen in any other decks before but i wonder if we'll see it more going into the future like most people once they get one item out there or maybe even two items like you don't even think about having to rotate your items at all or kick out items because that's all they have in the deck they'll have one maybe two different items so once they're out there they're good to go they just sit there but here when you have five items and they all kind of have different purposes and i mean if you're low on health yeah you want your forge wall and your storm shell out there but if you need to like i said apply the pressure you get the nitro hammer out there but if you do that you're gonna have to kick something out and obviously i understand you can get your items back with tornado and such but do you kind of have like a progression that you like to go through 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 the game with the items?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so Nitro Hammer is usually first, unless I'm playing against like a super aggro deck, in which case you kind of have to shell up. Uh, pardon the pun, with Storm Shell <laughs> and uh, Forge Wall, maybe add on that Crystal Core. But like I said, this is like a toolbox, so you know you kind of want to put on your items in according to what cards you want to play as opposed to, you know, what the items are actually doing. But typically nitro hammer is the first thing that I'll put on there. As long as I'm not going up against a super aggro matchup Um, and just apply that early pressure because, you know, if I already have my nitro hammer out and then, you know, a blacksmith in hand, then I can just like, you know, pull out any item that I want whenever I want while continuing to add that, you know, three points um, of damage Every single turn, you know, and if they if they just want to keep drawing up their cards, you know, you better hope I don't have a jester in hand. (laughs) It's true.
0: All right. Um. So, like I said, it's fairly straightforward and ultimately you can't play it anymore unless you're playing in just a casual setting. So looking a little bit at your sideboard because you did send it along here. I'm going to take a look at it. What was going through your mind when you put this together, I guess
1: my side deck does differ from the um, the Cosmo side deck. Mm-hmm. I'm still trying to learn how to use side decks, and I feel like this is was actually a pretty hard deck to sideboard for. I did kind of make some mistakes in the process, so my side deck consists of one Battleborn Oppressor, one Crystal Leech, one Creeble Jester, two Creeble Monks, two Shield Walls, one Turkle Captain, which is a water card, and one Umbran Informant. Looking back at it, the Umbran Informant doesn't really do me much good. You know, t- typically, you know, someone's going to be trying to kill you as fast as they can because you know that's just how Reefy works. But mm-hmm. um, for the Battleborn Oppressor, I just wanted to take off those items that don't have superior access to their element. Uh, Crystal Leech, obviously, you know, if I go up against a buff-heavy deck, I have something else in there. I would probably actually take out the Umbran Informant. Um, for a Crazed Bomber, considering I only have two Crazed Bombers in my actual deck. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, buff removal is just great in this game. One more Creeple Jester, just because if I happen to go up against, you know, an Ancient deck, uh, a Mirror Match for whatever reason, or, you know, if somebody decided to play my Sushi Boy deck again, you know, I could kind of punish those big hands. Kribble Monk and Shield Wall, kind of self explanatory. Shield Wall is just a great card. I'm starting to love that card even more. Mm-hmm. And Turkle Captain is just in there, just, you know, as a, a little more damage reduction. And uh, yeah.
0: So I'm curious, though, what you, you were so adamant about keeping the buffs out of your main deck. Why did you include two of them here in, his, in the side deck?
1: because I put it together five minutes before the tournament and right. I didn't think about that <laughs> yeah like I said I'm, I'm still learning how to use sideboards in this game I feel like this was a really hard like kind of thing to throw cards in there and see what you need um, because I mean the deck list itself is pretty solid it's kind oh, yeah. of just like hey I need some more buff removal but like at the same time it's really difficult to figure out what you're going to be taking out for that stuff So, um, I didn't really use my side deck much in this tournament, but, um, I'm definitely understanding, you know, how they work as a whole a lot better.
0: makes sense. I think that that pretty much wraps up that portion of this interview. So we're going to jump on over to something a little more recent now. Uh, we, we just came off of a weekend of PAX unplugged and I think it was a, a fairly successful weekend. How many Lightseekers events did you play in Adder Unplugged?
1: Um, well, I actually only played in one, and that was the main event Friday. Okay. I would have played in all of them if I could have, but unfortunately or fortunately, however you want to say it, um, I was working the booth Saturday oh God, and Sunday. That's right. Yeah. So I say unfortunately because obviously I'm, I'm not really <laughs> playing Lightseekers, <laughs> but fortunately because you know I'm teaching new people how to play the game, I'm drawing in the, the attention to the game. Everyone there was great and, you know, people just walking up and then also because it's just my local community because I am from the Philadelphia area. So, you know, it it just felt real special for me because I felt like these are the people that are around me. These are the people that want to play the game. Um, And it was a lot of fun. Pretty much lost my voice. But um,
0: (laughs) I I mean, (laughs) a lot of demo people like that. I, I know by the end of the weekend, they've just talked so much that, yeah, they're losing their voice. Sometimes even, you know, by day one or by day two, even
1: that's how it was for me. I actually lost my voice like two or three hours into Saturday and I was just <laughs> like, what's going They were like, oh, yeah, that's normal. They were like throwing mm-hmm. me throat lozenges and stuff. So, uh, yeah, we were all looking out for each other.
0: Yeah, that's good. You mentioned like that you get to meet a lot of locals and stuff. Did you find out, like, are these people who normally frequent some of your local shops?
1: No, I did not see hardly anyone that, um, you know, I've seen in my local shops. There was actually a lot of people that were a little bit further away. But, um, okay. you, you know, after the fact, we've uh, been communicating on Facebook and whatnot. But, you know, they're willing to travel, which is great, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, sparked a lot of interest in the gold-tiered events coming up in January. Ooh, so. Yeah, yeah. Lots of new people that have come from, you know, card game backgrounds, board game backgrounds, and were looking for something new, decided to sit down and play the game, and they're like, I love it. So, uh, you know, we are giving out some free booster packs, getting people into the game, people buying starter decks. So, you know, the discussion is plentiful right now for new players and, you know, figuring out what the meta is, at least for right now, you know, figuring out what's going on in the future. So.
0: I mean, it's going to change every few months for any game. So, I mean, that's, that's common. But yeah. was it your typical kind of TCG crowd, you know, 20, 30 something male? Or was there a different mix of people? Because a lot of times I think when I was up near the demo tables, I actually saw a lot of younger folks in there.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I'd have to say that the, the crowd was mixed for sure. So, you know, I would sit down with people that, you know, were... Older. I mean, I don't want to throw ages out there because <laughs> sure, I don't sure. know how exactly old, how old they were, but, you know, people up in their 40s and 50s, you know, older um, people that may or may have not played card games before. I also had, you know, the whole middle crowd where it's like, you know, 20s and 30s where they got their start in TCGs before and, you know, they're sitting down and trying this for the first time. And then I've also had, you know, l- little kids, you know, five, six, seven, eight years old, come up and, you know, sit down and learn how to play. I actually had a girl, I think she was probably eight or nine. Um, She sat down with her little brother and they decided to play. And then, you know, later on, I checked Facebook while I was working the booth and I saw that she was over in the side event. So I was like, man, that's cool. She just picked up the game and, you know, she enjoyed it. She entered the side event. I kind of gave myself a pat on the back for that (laughs) one. I try my best with the younger crowd to explain it in a way that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It is somewhat difficult, but I think I powered through it.
0: <laughs> yeah. So that, like that's something I found like if someone has played card games before, it's fairly easy to explain to them how things work. But I, I haven't had a chance to really teach as many younger folks like that. Do they seem to grasp all the mechanics right away or are they just kind of, oh, just play a card and see what happens?
1: Yeah, so typically what I would do when somebody would sit down, hey, I'm interested in playing, I would ask them first what kind of TCG knowledge they have. They would then tell me, yeah, hey, I play Hearthstone, Magic, Pokemon, whatever the case may be. But with a younger crowd, I kind of tried to keep it on like a base level. So, you know, mm-hmm. whereas the, the the 20 and 30 year old sitting down that have played TCGs before, I could kind of get them to comprehend the um, intricacies of you know deck building and how cards interact and everything i kind of just tried to keep it on like a base level with uh you know the younger kids kind of just saying hey you know this card will do this and this is how attack cards work i kind of didn't really go into depth obviously because i'm just not trying to overload their brains yeah they may be a a little ignorant of me i will be honest you know some kids do know exactly what they're doing like i said i come from a pokemon background i know that there's juniors out there it's like an age group i think it's 10 and below and they you know beat the 20 and 30 year olds yeah. in car yeah, games definitely. all the time so like
0: but but you see that i mean that's the thing is like even when they're playing a 10 below they've probably been playing for months or years or whatever before they get to that point they didn't just sit down and magically start winning
1: Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. And typically, like, their parents are playing card games as well. So, you know, they have an experienced card game player there to help them pick up the game. I did have a lot of parents, you know, sitting by the side and, you know, kind of helping the kids out and explaining the things to them. But it's very difficult, you know, running okay this side of the table okay so now you'd probably want to play this well you wouldn't want to play that card because you see it doesn't have any buffs out so you're not going to remove any of his buffs and then run run around to the other side okay so now it's the beginning of your turn all your buffs would rotate and like yeah so
0: it makes sense yeah so this is one of the first events that i recall that they actually used the new kindred constructed decks to teach right Yes, they did. So, I mean, obviously they built them as kind of starter type decks anyway. But did you ever like get to demo with the the basic awakening decks before?
1: No, I haven't. I actually only had a couple of the awakening decks myself so I don't know it's funny though that you say that because actually sitting down and showing people how to play with those decks I actually never got any Kindred starter decks <laughs> so I kind of like learned how they worked and I was like I really kind of want to enter a side event with these decks Yeah, they yeah. are a lot of fun with the family mechanics and everything that's that's added in sometimes it is a little bit of an impediment because people are like what is this and mm-hmm. then like a whole deck will revolve around that kind of like the nature deck but yeah I never got a chance to you know demo the awakening decks but I would have to say Kindred would was definitely a good choice um you know bringing these to packs so that
0: people can play with the new family mechanic and uh see some of the newer cards yeah yeah i think that totally makes sense to use those especially considering what's going on moving forward but in any case the other big change i noticed at packs from past tournaments is they flew over a lot of playfusion staff it wasn't run by like a third party group like they have in the past. How did you, do you feel that had any impact on how things were run?
1: I can't say for sure. I don't think that I've been to, you know, enough events that are, you know, third parties. I mean, besides like delivery crab, which is always great, but yeah, the play fusion staff, they were awesome to meet. Um, I met with Jade, um, Ray, those were the primary people that I was working with. There were two other guys. I can't exactly remember their names right now, and I don't want to butcher it, but they were great. You know, they were also helping out uh, demoing and everything. And then there was also the Warhammer people there as well. So they're all under the umbrella of Playfusion. So, you know, they're all working together towards the same goal. But I will say that we did outsell Warhammer uh, (laughs) Saturday and Sunday. I just have to rub that in. I'm sorry. We were very excited for that. That's awesome. So, yeah, if if you guys think that, you know, Warhammer is is just going to topple Lightseekers, I think you're mistaken. But yeah, for the Play Fusion staff, you know, everybody who ran the stuff, I think Jane was in charge of everything. She was mm-hmm. great. I actually only got to meet her at the end. I shook her hand. Hey, f- great to finally meet you, you know, after a, su- a successful weekend. And just ev- everybody there was just great they actually hooked me up with some starter decks you know they, <laughs> now they, you can
0: play the starters yeah
1: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly they were actually awakening starter decks they were kind of like tossing them out for free you know to people who had interest in the game that didn't necessarily have money to spend on it which i thought was really cool you know just throwing out the cards there for people to do that i'm definitely going to try to start just going around to every store in my area and just like sit down and play <laughs> me in this right now um you know And then I'll just throw them a couple starter decks or something, you know, Hey, if people are interested in playing this, you know, pick it up.
0: Awesome. So now comes kind of the rough part of the conversation. Something I've been holding off talking about kind of alluded to a few times in this episode already, but the quote unquote rotation that's happening. And it's part of the reason, honestly, I believe why they're throwing some of those awakening decks out there. Um, I mean, they want to get the stock off their hands, because it's, but at the same time, it's useful because the, the cards are still playable, and especially in a casual setting, if, if you're taking this deck home with you, if you get two or three decks and you have, you know, even just two people at home who will play, it, it can be a lot of fun, and it's a great introduction to the game. But what I'm getting at, obviously, is in sometime next year, January, February-ish, Whenever the next set releases, uh, Wave 4 Uprising, there is going to be a shift in the card pool. Uh, I, I hate using the word rotation because it has such a negative connotation that comes along with it from other card games, but it is something that is happening. It As far as we know, as far as they've told us, they want this to be kind of a, a one-and-done thing. I kind of look at it as we're pushing a big reset button that there are some things that that just don't quite mesh from the first set with the following sets and so this is just a quick mass cleanup and then we'll move on from there
1: yeah i'm not exactly sure um i mean they have said that they kind of want this to be you know a thing to the game like some new legs i guess obviously you know the game is relatively new it's been around for what two years Just under, yeah yeah. So, I mean, every new card game is going to have its flaws in the beginning. You know, I would much rather have these overpowered flaws where, you know, you can actually see potential in the game. I mean, you can argue against that, of course, but I'd rather see that than, you know, a corporation like PlayFusion be scared to put out powerful cards <laughs> and then just make everything kind of bland. I've been trying to reassure people as much as I can. I'm like, come off as you know a a d-bag sometimes when i'm telling people hey you know i'm like correcting the way that they're saying things because people say oh all of awakening is getting rotated out these cards are going to be useless where i have to like I, i feel like it's kind of um not my responsibility, but I feel like I should be there saying, hey, listen, guys, you know, this is the proper information. You know, yeah. we are we have the list of the cards that are rotating. Not all of awakening is rotating. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of go out of my way to kind of correct people because I also don't want those people. You know, if somebody does have a question and that's the person that's giving them the answer, then they're giving another person false information. Sure. And, and, and you know, it, I
0: greatly appreciate that.
1: Yeah, it's not too big of a deal, but it kind of like pushes my button sometimes where like I I like just want everybody to have the correct information so that nobody has a sour taste in their mouth about the game. You know, um, people who have invested in Awakening, such as myself, I'm sure, you know, you're <laughs> heavily invested into, you know, the game. Obviously, Absolutely. you have an yep. online store, so um, yeah, I just like to try to ease people's minds and give them the correct information that they need as opposed to, you know, um, somebody maybe giving them the false information that is kind of going to put somebody off of the game.
0: Yeah. And so just to clarify for anyone who might not know or who may be new to the game, maybe this is the first episode you're ever listening to, whatever. The cards from awaken basically they are trying to drop the entire Waking set but anything that has been reprinted already is still going to be valid even if it's in the Awakening card form. So anything that was reprinted in Mythco, anything that was reprinted in Kindred, anything that was reprinted in the Rift Packs, any of that stuff. And then anything they reprint going forward is once again become valid again. Uh, so we we have things like all of the the buff removal cards from awakening were re- reprinted in mythical. So those are all valid no matter if it's the physical awakening card or the physical mythical card. They're, they're all valid for play yet. And so you, you get into that and ultimately they're dropping around half of awakening, but that's just for the time being when we get uprising. Like I said, this doesn't happen until wave four comes out officially. So They're dropping those cards the same time we're getting a new set. I I don't know exactly how big Uprising is, but I have a feeling the the actual size of the card pool is going to stay about the same, I think, because the cards that are leaving will probably just about equal the cards that are coming in. So I don't think it's going to be that big of a shift. I don't think people are going to miss cards as much as they think they will because there's just going to be so much new stuff to explore at the same time
1: i'd agree with you and you know i do see people online they're tired of seeing those you know zunas the dolos the granites Mm -hmm. just topping all the time but then you know when they hear about the rotation and you know cards like that being taken out you know obviously all the heroes that have any kind of do this draw this many cards is just ridiculous because draw power in this game is just key um the people complaining about, you know, how problematic these cards are, um, I also see them complaining about the rotation sometimes. And it's like, <laughs> come on, guys, like we have to we have to pick and choose. You know, we, we can't just have like the perfect middle ground where it's like, OK, we're just going to, you know, errata everything. So, yeah. But like you said, this, this stuff is not going to take effect until Uprising releases. We still are unsure about, you know, what, what cards are even in Uprising. So, you know, we also have the core box coming out. Um, Mm -hmm. I believe that might just be all of the Awakening cards that are staying in.
0: That's what I'm expecting, I guess. Yeah. Is, yeah, everything that has been reprinted from Awakening, like they're, they're going to give us in the core box. Yeah. For, for anyone like you or me Mm -hmm. who has a bunch of these cards already, I don't think the core box is going to do a lot. But for anyone who's just getting in the game or who just got in the game, even just at packs here, like that's going to be a key component. It kind of like catches you up in one purchase and you have everything that <laughs> that you may have missed probably. So I think that's going to be kind of a key piece to keep everybody on the same level.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I just think that this ro- rotation um, is just going to balance the game a lot more and just gonna make it more enjoyable to play I mean everyone that I talk to I, sh- I just say you know hey 2019 is gonna be great for light seekers uh, you, yeah. know, event-wise, card-wise, you know event wise card wise you know I see the rapid expansion and I think that it's just gonna blow up um, once we have everything set in stone and we haven't there, there's just some things that we don't have set in stone and I would just like to you know put a PSA out there let's not blow our heads off and let's just you know wait until it happens and then when it happens then we can discuss it
0: think that's fair yeah all right uh i think that's a good discussion there i'm sure we can continue it at some point but if you have anything else you want to get out there tetra uh i'll, I'll give you a, a few minutes otherwise i think we can wrap this up
1: all right cool yeah um i mean obviously first and foremost i'm gonna thank Fusion staff for uh, letting me work the event over the weekend. I had a great time. Everybody and anybody who came out to Pax that even you know looked over at Lightseekers and came over to see what it was about. Thank you very much. I look forward to you know seeing you at future events, things like that. Let's see who else do I want to thank? Everybody who played in the Friday event. Um, I had a great time playing. Um, there was some tough competition out there. Absolutely. Um, un- unfortunately, I didn't top. Uh, I believe it was <laughs> top four. But um, I did come in ninth place out of, I believe, 19 players. I did play Granite. I didn't have much time to test. So thank you again to people over in the UK for, you know, putting out those deck lists and kind of just letting me do that. I've um, been very <laughs> busy with work lately, so uh, I didn't have a lot of time to play test. Besides that, I mean, thank you, Matt, for having me on. And uh, I think you're doing, I think you're doing a great thing for the community, you know, just putting information out there. And it's just a great thing awesome
0: well thank you once again for coming on the show and well hopefully maybe we'll have it back on again sometime <laughs> hopefully yes all right take it easy and there you have it another solid showing from our champion tetra from our new jersey tournament back in november of 2018 thank you once again tetra for joining me on the show and congratulations once again on your victory but looking forward now, we have some more tournaments coming up naturally. we By the time you're hearing this, you just missed the tournament in Indiana this past weekend. But we do have another tournament scheduled in New Jersey for February. That's our next big physical tournament. But keep your eyes and ears open because we have a few other surprises that should be coming up in the next month. So, Be on the lookout for those, and I hope to have more information for you very soon. With that being said, all the information from this episode can once again be found in the show notes, which can be found at deliverycrab.com slash 054. That's deliverycrab.com slash 054. I think that's all I got for you now. So until next time, I got some more deliveries to make.